0: Hello and welcome to the Moreland's Church, Equip podcast. I'm Jay Standerwick and um, I'm joined today uh, by Nathan Weston, our Associate Pastor at Church, and Felicity Hargreaves, uh, who's our Women's Worker at Church. And today we're going to think through uh, how to tell our story to other people um, in a way that will show them um, who Jesus is. So to get us thinking, because we're going to be thinking about the, the whole topic of stories today, I wonder if we could start here. Nathan, what is your favourite story? <laughs> uh, that's
1: a really hard question. I think if you ask me any other day, I'd give a different answer. The, the thing that comes into my head is actually the horse and his boy, the C.S. Lewis Narnia Chronicle, the one that no one else likes. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I love that story because it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a quest, it's a journey, it's about a, a boy who thinks he's nobody and has been brought up to believe he's nobody, discovering that he's somebody and meanwhile, it's about uh, somebody's realising that actually they're no one particularly special. So it's it's quite it's quite a uh, topsy turvy seesaw kind of gospel shaped uh, story, and it's got talking horses in it. I mean, what would you want? Fantastic. <laughs> um,
0: Flick, how about you? What's your story? well?
2: I mean, so to Nathan, I think it's impossible to pin it down. Um, my diet of books at the moment is very much the nineteen to fourteen year old sort of epic saga stories. <laughs> Um, And so we are really enjoying the Green Ember series. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that. They're great. Um, But they're really, really good for boys in particular. Lovely stories about a family of rabbits. Um, You know, it's talking rabbits. Talking rabbits. Yeah. Um, And following kind of them through their sort of journey and particularly um, the kind of life is very hard for them. They're facing a lot of persecution from, you know, wolves and birds and things. Um, But they have this incredible hope of a better life, of a future. And that sort of keeps them persevering. It's been great to read it alongside 1 Peter. And also really lovely to just, you kind of get into the conversations in their heads and the thinking they're having about how to battle sin, how to love people, how to say sorry when they failed. So it's been good for conversations and just, yeah, really lovely story of hope.
0: Um, Mine wasn't going to be about talking animals. I'm sorry. Um, One You're fa- far more <laughs> well, one of my favourite stories is the Count of Monte Cristo. Um, um, I find the book too long, but I think the story is fascinating. From going from being somebody of uh, importance and then going into prison, finding a fortune, going back and taking revenge on the people who put him in prison, um, I think it's a fascinating oh. story. Oh, I've never read it. Um,
1: it doesn't sound like Joe has either. So,
0: uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, we think about stories today. We're going to get on to um, how we tell our stories to other people. But I thought to start with, um, let's put this in context a little bit. We've had some recent training on this. Um, what did we do as a church and why? Why did we do it?
2: So, I think as a church family, we're wanting to really help each other tell our friends about Jesus. Um, and so, we've had this sort of focused two years of evangelism. Um, and as part of that, we've been all challenged to think about three friends that we can pray for over two years with the one goal of that they would become a Christian. And to help us do that, we wanted to give some training on how we can use our stories um, of how we've become Christians to share the gospel. I think over the years we've done lots of training about how to use gospel outlines, how to tackle you know, the questions that people ask. So this is something we haven't really done a lot of thinking about, um, but actually is a an amazing, very natural opportunity to share Jesus with our friends.
0: Let's think a bit more about stories in general um, and why stories are so important to us as human beings. Um, how do we answer that? You know, what does what do stories do? How do they shape us? Why do we love a good story? Mm. Well, I guess think about uh, fictional stories to start
1: with. They're not just entertainment, are they? They, I think, what stories do is they shape our moral imagination. And what I mean by that is, they, they present the world as one that's ordered by a structure and a narrative with characters who behave in certain ways in certain situations. And, and that shapes our own imagination about how we would behave in that kind of situation or what kind of person we would like to be. So you might see it in um, young kids who want to dress up as Hermione Granger on World Book Day or something like that. Uh, they see Hermione as a role model of someone who's smart and brave and they want to be like her. And they will not face the same situations as Hermione Granger, hopefully. Um, but there's something about the way she acts that makes a young girl think, I, I could be that, I could do that. Um, now, obviously, that could go one or two different ways, depending on what kind of stories you read. The Count of Monte Cristo seems to be about taking revenge on your enemies, so I hope you're okay, Joe. Um, but it's it's not just fictional stories that do that. We all have a tendency, because we're made in the image of a, 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 a storytelling god, to sort of narrate our own lives a little bit and to find some overarching meaning and to cast ourselves as a character in a tale, so if I have a setback, for example, we have a tendency to frame our response to it as part of a narrative. That always happens to me, it's typical, you know. Why is everyone always out to get me? Or, I'm such a loser, why can't I do anything right? Or, this is an opportunity that I historically have bounced back from and I can do it again. And so we cast ourselves as a character in a narrative and that story we tell ourselves is really important in how we respond. I guess the one, the one danger of that is, that we sometimes think we're the main character in our life story. Uh, And that can lead to us um, being very proud or very entitled. Uh, But rather we are part of a bigger story about God's son, Jesus. We're the supporting characters in his story. Uh, And so as we see our lives as part of his story, we're gonna be able to navigate our own narrative in line with with truth. It's not a
0: fiction, it's actually what's really going on in the world. And so we can learn to to live rightly through it. I suppose the other thing is, on the opposite side of things, if we're the main character in our story and <coughs> things go wrong, yeah, then we're crushed, yep. aren't yeah. we? Yeah, so I think yeah. it can lead to both pride or, mm. or feelings of, of real Just disappointment failure. and mm. failure, yeah. Right. So that's sort of stories generally, and um, thinking about the stories we tell ourselves. What about stories in the Bible? Um, what examples are there in the Bible of God's people telling their story to others, hmm. or maybe uh, kind of thinking of their, their own story in different ways? Um, yeah. start, start well, I, think, I think it's fascinating to look at the
1: first two stories that are told in the Bible after the fall. Um, here's story number one from Adam, Genesis 3 verse 12. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. That's the first story in the Bible. So something's happened in Adam's life, and here's his narrative. I'm innocent, Eve's to blame, and really, God, it's all your fault. Now, that's a very appealing story to tell, I would argue. (laughs) I I like that one, as a sinner, but a very unappealing one to listen to. He hasn't taken any responsibility. He's whiny. He's, you know, it's horrible. Here's the next story in the Bible, Genesis 4, verse 1. Uh, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. That's story number two. It's exactly the reverse of Adam's. She knows he's a, she's a sinner who doesn't deserve to be alive, yet God has said she's going to be the mother of all the living. So she gives all the glory to God with the help of the Lord. And now she says she's brought forth, interestingly, not a baby, not a boy, but a man. That's really interesting. Why a man? I think it's because she's thinking of the promises, a promise in Genesis 3 verse 15. She's seeing herself as part of God's own story. God is going to say this. God has said, There's this man that's going to come from your line that's going to crush the serpent. And now she's holding a baby in her arms and says, Here's a man. Mm-hmm. Now, Cain isn't the serpent crusher. It turns out he's more serpent than serpent crusher. But she is hopefully positioning her story within God's bigger narrative. And I think that's a harder story to tell,
0: but a much more appealing story to listen to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why at the start start the Bible. We see these stories straight away first few chapters of the Bible, what about as we go through, what are some of the stories that you've seen in the Bible of people telling others their story to help them see God's work in their life?
2: Well, I think the obvious one that probably most of us think about is the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman in John 4. Um, she meets Jesus, doesn't she? And, and he seems to know everything about her, and that really challenges her lifestyle, her way of thinking, um, and she comes to see who he is, and she trusts in him. And her f- sort of first thing is to go and tell people about him because she's so excited. But the way she does that is she just basically tells her story. She just goes and tells people, I've met this guy and this is what he said to me. Um, and the result is that they want to go and sort of find out more about who he is. Mm. Um, so the, the kind of powerful bit was her just telling her story. And then I think if you think about Paul in lots of his letters, um, the way he teaches the gospel, the way he helps Christians to think about what it looks like to live as Christians, he often starts with his story. You know, this is what I was, this is how the gospel changed me. You think about Philippians chapter 3, where he talks about all his kind of Jewish heritage. You know, he tells his story of Mm. what that was like. But now the gospel's changed that. Um, So I think it's a powerful way that's used to tell people about jesus Mm.
0: and the interesting things in those examples i think is as they tell their story they fade into the background Mm. a little bit and jesus comes into the the foreground and we'll think more about how we tell our stories in that kind of way and that's
2: interesting going back to what nathan was saying we make our stories about us don't we but Mm. very much in in those examples the reason they're telling the story is to put the focus on the gospel and on jesus Mm. and not just what's happened to them Mm.
1: Yeah, I think a, a helpful one to go away and read and to think about is Paul's defence before King Agrippa in Acts twenty six. It's long, I, w- I won't go into it, but it's um, worth reading. And at the end of the the speech, Agrippa says to Paul, "Hang on, are you trying to make me? Are you trying to persuade me to become a Christian?" And Paul says, "Yeah, I am actually." And the it's a masterful way of how he tells his story, and it's all very very natural, but. He, he moves from his own experience to talking about Jesus in a way that Agrippa says, you're trying to convert me, aren't you? And Paul is very funny and cheeky about it. He says, I want everyone to be like me, except, I'm not, except not in prison.
0: Mm. Um, but it's lovely and well, well worth studying. Yeah. So it's worth saying and, and remembering that every Christian who's been shown mercy by God has a story to tell mm. of God's grace to them, of mm. how God's worked in their life. <laughs> um, I think the question we want to grapple with a little bit together is, how do you actually go about doing that? Um, so how yeah how do we start sharing the story of how God has worked in our life with other people
2: well I think a lot of it is just realizing the opportunities that you have to do that in day-to-day life I think often when we think about telling our stories we think about a kind of formal upfront really well rehearsed kind of speech I suppose about you know what what difference the gospels made etc but actually I think as Christians we have loads of opportunities every day to just to share something of our story and something about why we love love the Lord Jesus so it could be anything from questions about I don't know why do you live in Lancaster or why do you do your job or what do you do in your job or what did you do at the weekend all sorts of things like that where you just have an opportunity to say something about who you really are and what really matters to you
1: I think it's important to say that um you are not the woman at the well, and you are not the Apostle Paul, and you're no one. You are you, and your story, brilliantly, is part of God's bigger story about his son, Jesus. And you might think you have the most boring, everyday story in the world, but because it's a story about Jesus and about death and life and heaven and hell and sin and forgiveness and eternity... Then that that's a that's a fascinating story, regardless of whether your conversion was particularly spectacular or not, or whether you've had a fascinating life or not. Actually, to be able to to speak, to just tell people authentically your story, don't you don't have to try and make it into somebody else's story? Tell yours, because that's the story that God that you're living in God's world. Um, and try to think, well, what can I say about who God is and who Jesus is because of what's happened to me. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think we're very good, aren't we, at just telling stories to each other about our lives. I think that it's just a normal part of our conversations all the time, and we're very good at talking about the what has happened, so, you know, what did I do at the weekend, or what did I do in my holidays, or, um, but I, I think as Christians we can be better at talking about the why, why do I do those things, or why do those things matter to me, um, and share something more about, you know, our worldview and our hope in the Gospel.
0: Yeah. I was reminded about the, the, sort of the power of telling a story recently, chatting to a student, and the student was asked by a friend when they were out one night, uh, would you convince me that God is real? <laughs> and the student then told his story of how he became a Christian, how he came to know God, and um, just struck me that the instinct there was to mm. use the opportunity mm. to tell his story in a way that would help his friend to see mm. this is who God is. Um, so maybe we don't have opportunities like that all the time Um, it would be worth thinking when when do those opportunities come for us just in everyday life, in everyday conversation when might we have opportunity to say more about the why and tell something of of God's story Mm.
2: I think it can be very small things can't they so I think it's worth thinking through what are the conversations you have a lot so at the moment in our stage of life Stephen and I are having a lot of conversations with people about why our children don't in a football team on a Sunday and my instinct always when they ask me that question is just to say something like oh we're just not free on a Sunday because I'm afraid to say anything more about the why Um, but actually that is a great opportunity to say something more on something about you know what we believe as Christians you know we don't want to to play on a Sunday because we love our church family we love um, learning more about Jesus from his word and that is something we are excited about and we don't want to miss, and that's why we don't prioritise football on a Sunday. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important to to remember that, that when we're telling our story, Yes, if we, if, we, if, we do, if we have the opportunity to, to actually tell our story to someone, a captive audience, like your friend, a student, or we're doing something at a, um, a, a, a public event or whatever, yes, you want to structure it with a beginning and middle end and think really clearly about that. But it's okay for your story to come across in fragments and little bits and pieces and comments here and there over the course of a a longer term relationship that's totally fine taking the long view is important and um, yes you might be someone who's tempted to as soon as you get a gospel opportunity to just start splurging which is great fine better than saying nothing but it's equally um, good to Remember to say something that's important and relevant and helpful. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing to 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 say is that people will ask you questions if you ask them questions. If we're interested in the people around us, if we're saying you know we're asking them about their story, about okay why do you do that? Why why, why do you live in Lancaster? Why what took you to a job like that? Um, Why is it important for you to do this? That kind of thing. Um, Hopefully that will at least give them permission to ask you the same question back. We were seeing it um, in 1 Peter, weren't we, on Sunday, that importance of living a life in such a way that makes people ask why. Um, So, yeah, so as well as asking other people questions and inviting the same question back, this has got to be done in the context, I suppose, of a a distinctive life, a a, a way of life that's different. So it might be that you're at work, and something's gone wrong, and you stand up or sit down and say, I'm sorry, that was my fault. Be amazed how rare that is in yeah. the world of work, generally. Yeah, to, to sorry. To just say, I'm really sorry, I, I messed up, it's all my fault, sorry. Now, that might not lead to an immediate conversation, but if that is your habit, if that is your character, if someone notices, you're someone who's just okay with saying sorry, and you're a humble person, what's that about? And that's an opportunity to say, well, do you know what? I said sorry to God 10 years ago and it changed my life. Mm. And so I'm now I'm okay to say sorry because I know I'm forgiven. Then stop talking and see what happens. I think that's a brilliant way of telling a story.
2: And I think it's good to th- to think, to be prepared for that, because so that when they do say <coughs> to you, wow, you say sorry a lot, why is that? That you actually have a, an answer because most of us are not great at thinking on our feet and we shy away from saying clear things. And we mm. just say, oh, I don't know, just think it's good to say sorry, you know, rather than using it um, mm. to tell something about our story.
0: Mm. What if there's somebody listening who says, I'm just not a very good storyteller and I don't think I can do this and I don't know what to say in, in that moment and I prepare and then it all goes out of my mind. Mm. How do you encourage that person? <laughs>
2: I think we're all like
0: that. Yeah, I don't think think very few people are actually really, really
1: good storytellers. But what we're talking about here is not um, narrating a wonderful um, uh, story with lots and lots of wonderful language or, you know, a a fantastic arc. What we're doing is just saying what has happened to us. What's happened to you and what does it tell you about God? Um, I uh, used to be a very, really, really angry person, but... After, after about 10 years following Jesus, I've really seen some change there. That's enough. That's enough that to just start the conversation going. That's telling your story, uh, even if it's not, you know, talking rabbits.
2: <laughs> and also, actually, we, we all do do it all the time, naturally, even if we don't think we do. So if you said to me, how's your week gone, Flick? Well, my response to you is telling a story, isn't it? I'm going to say, well... This went well, or this went bad, or I can't really remember. Or um, so I think as Christians, it's thinking, okay, that is a question we're going to get asked all the time. So how are we going to answer that question? That's distinctively Christian, rather than just saying something that everybody else um, says.
1: And one more thing on that: remember that we are telling our story as a church. We're not. We're not on our own. You're, you might be the best placed person in your friend's life to tell them about Jesus, but it's not solely your job to be the single person who takes them from death to life. A, that's Jesus' job by His Spirit, and B, that's us as a church together. So um, if you do get a bit tongue tied, if you're not a natural speaker, then say, Well, um, I'm not really good at explaining it, but I know a few people who are better than me. We go to church on Sunday, do you want to come? That's a great way to
0: start. It also reminds me that there might be opportunities where we can share what's happened in somebody else's Mm -hmm. life in a relevant way. I know somebody who's gone through a similar thing to you, and this is how God helped them through that. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got other stories to tell in our church family as well, Mm -hmm. as well as our own.
2: And I I think let's use each other as a church family. I think we're not always good as Christians at talking to each other about our stories and at helping each other think about how the Lord has changed us or helped us or. And if we're better at just sharing our stories with each other and speaking more about the why and not just the what, it'll become more natural Mm. to do it with our non-believing friends. Mm.
0: Final question. Um, As we're telling our story to people who don't believe in Jesus, one of the things we really want for them is that they too would believe in Jesus. So we want to persuade them Mm. that this is not just a story that we tell ourselves to bring comfort to us, but it's actually a story that could change their life as well because the gospel story is true. Um, How do we do that? How do we talk to people in a way that aims to persuade, maybe in a similar way to Paul, Mm. in front of Agrippa? How how does that change the way we we, we tell our stories?
1: Yeah, I I think
0: a lot of it depends really on the person you're talking to,
1: the nature of your relationship. It could be that um, you have the kind of uh, relationship with someone where you can just say, look... We've been talking. We've been friends for a while. You, you know I'm a Christian. Um, you know you know something of my story. I'm really keen for you to meet Jesus, and I'd love you to have the kind of the story that I've had. Would that interest you at all? Would you would you want to find out more about that? Um, but it, it might be that you're not quite there yet. I think. Um, Simply finishing a, a conversation like that, a story like that, with a question that invites some some kind of response is often uh, helpful. So Agrippa, back to Acts 26, King Agrippa, um, Paul says to him, um, he, he says, what I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things and I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. So he's not saying, Agrippa, repent and believe. He's saying, come on, mate, as much as you can to a king. <laughs> this is public knowledge, and you yourself are somebody who says that they believe the Old Testament. So is that still true? And that's quite a few steps away from here's, here's water, let's get you baptised. It's, it's sort of asking a question. Do you still, do you think, can you see how this works? Does this work for you? Do you believe this? So to say something like, what do, what do you think about that? Or does that make any sense to you? Or, um, yeah, something like that, just to res- uh, invite a response that just helps people own it a little bit um, is often a helpful way, I think, to conclude.
2: And I think, um, going back to something Nathan said earlier, it, it's sort of asking questions to people, isn't it? So if, I think the danger of us thinking about telling our stories is that we're then going to make every conversation we have with our friends all about us um, And what we want to be doing is also asking them questions. So, for example, something's hard. I don't know, they're going through something hard or they're really worried about something. You know, let's ask our friends, you know, what do you do when you're worried? What helps you when you're worried? Or what do you do when you're finding things hard? Asking those kind of questions. um, Hopefully then they'll ask us back, won't they? But also it starts to just help them to see maybe how some of the things they're turning to are not as great as you know what we have
0: Hmm. any final words on this whole topic of telling our story to other people i think it's a good habit to
1: um look at the stories that are in our world and think what what view of the world is this giving me um, just as a, it doesn't have to be sort of like a, a big study every time you watch Netflix or whatever, but what, what is this telling me about The Good Life? And particularly if it's a story out in the public sphere, what is that telling me about the world? I, I haven't watched the David Beckham documentary, but people, <laughs> some people I know have. And I was saying it, it's fascinating remembering that time when they were, uh, David and Victoria Beckham were basically worshipped as idols, and then in the next breath, completely torn down. And you think, what does that tell us about what we want? What does it tell us about who we are? And if that, if someone is, is talking about another story, then that can be a helpful thing to say. What, why do you think that happens? Why do you think we, do we push people up in order to pull them down? Why do you think that, that happens? And it might be that you can not only tell your own story, but perhaps reinterpret some other stories that are going around in the world in a helpful way. Mm.
2: And I think let's be encouraged that this is not something we're sort of adding to our to-do list of what we should as Christians be doing, but we're doing it already. We're always telling our story. So this is just, how can I be more deliberate about doing that in a distinctively Christian way and in a way that makes people want to know about Jesus?
0: Brilliant. Thanks so much for being here for this conversation. Thanks Nathan, thanks Flick. Uh, next time on the podcast, we're going to be thinking about 1 Peter, which we're doing at the moment in church, we're hearing on Sunday mornings. And we're going to have a and a uh, with some of the questions that have come in about 1 Peter. Um, I thought I'd end with 1 Peter 2, verse 9, that I think you know will lead us into the next podcast, but also I think it helps us as we think through this whole topic of telling our story to others. Peter says this to Christians, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light.